Hello, and welcome to the Cancer Tech Accelerator podcast. Uh, my name is Katerina. I'm your host, as well as the program manager. I'm joined today by my co-host and our entrepreneur in residence, Nirmesh, as well as Matt and Joe from Cancer Research UK. Thank you guys for joining us today. So by way of a brief introduction, Cancer Research UK and Capital Enterprise with Roche UK have come together to run the Cancer Tech Accelerator program in order to support innovative technologies that can advance the early detection, diagnosis, monitoring, or treatment of cancer. We have combined forces to help researchers develop, build, and grow the next big health tech startup. So with that said, could you please give us a brief introduction to yourselves and what you guys do at Cancer Research UK? Hi everyone, I'm Matt Burney. I'm a business development executive in our commercial partnerships team at CRUK. So we're the part of the organization that helps work uh, with our academics to help them translate and commercialize their discoveries for patient benefit. And I'm Joe Day, business development manager in the same team as Matt. Um, yeah, my focus is on the sort of data and AI partnerships. So kind of very closely linked to the, the med tech and, and what we're trying to do through the Cancer Tech Accelerator. Fabulous. Excellent. Thank you, guys. I mean, so could you just briefly give us a bit of an overview of Cancer Research UK as a whole? As I'm sure everyone listening to this podcast is aware, you do a lot in the space, um, but maybe some of it is a little bit less uh, well-known or publicized on the day-to-day. -day. Yeah, so I guess Cancer Research UK is obviously a well-known brand, but we're also in very well-known in the sort of academic funding space, and we fund probably 50% of the cancer research in the UK. So we're probably we're the largest non-governmental funder of cancer research in the world. So obviously that is, means that we, we're kind of funding a lot of basic research and a lot of clinical research and creating a lot of insights into root cancer and what we can do to kind of help improve patient outcomes and, and patient lives. So obviously that academic insight is kind of generating a lot of interesting discoveries. And what we do in the commercial partnerships team is actually help to kind of translate those into something and products that can benefit uh, patients. So we work with the academics to help develop those projects to find the right partners to take them forward. And one of the key elements which we have here is kind of collaborating with pharma or collaborating with diagnostic companies to actually find the expertise and the funding to take those projects forward. And in some cases, that's sort of a spin out route where we can find a VC and get that investment because that is a more appropriate route for that technology. But yeah. Kind of looking to help researchers get their technology and get their ideas out of academia and into the clinic and into patients. I mean, I guess you briefly touched on it there, but um, I would say, I guess then the that's the primary motivator behind uh, setting up this program. In terms of getting stuff out there, absolutely. Yeah. So I suppose the the primary motivation is really around is twofold. Really, is around um, enabling and kind of giving academics. We work with the skills they need to be thinking more entrepreneurially, thinking about how they can translate um, their discoveries and turn them into something that can you know, bring bring about patient benefit. Um, but also really to the other way around to, to help um, us get that expertise from the wider tech community, the you know, industries around diagnostics, data, AI, medical devices helping us bring that expertise to into the hands of academics to, to kind of give them the skills they would need to develop an actual um, commercial product. Um, clearly, we are a research organization and fund the best science, but I think we need, we recognize that we need a bit of help around that, that translation aspect and, and thinking about commercial products. So that's one of the main drivers. I'm sure we'll cover others in a minute. But. 
I guess what some of this what we're trying to do is kind of quite new to the to non-therapeutic space to some extent. So what we've been trying to do over the last 18 months is create these these easy pathways for researchers to translate their technology. So we have the sort of more traditional licensing routes and collaboration routes, but sometimes the researcher doesn't, is the, the technology isn't suitable for those routes or the researcher is very keen and entrepreneurial and wants to spin it out. And we, at the moment, we didn't have a kind of clear defined route where that goes. And this kind of tech accelerator allows us to help kind of de-risk some of those projects and get them into the early startups as quickly as possible so that we can then kind of test the technology and make sure it's suitable and, and works. And then we can go forward and very quickly kind of find that further investment and take that project to the next stage. What's uh, currently happening with those researchers that are keen to spin out their own company with their research, um, but don't have the current pathway? What happens to them? So currently the, the commercial partnerships team, we have a, a new ventures um, section that very much looks at, at those early opportunities. Um, they, they do tend to be in the more therapeutic space, although we have done in, in the past diagnostics companies and all manner of other things. Um, and so they will work with those academics to um, try and kind of hone that concept. What, what is the, what's the company really about? Uh, what's the product look like? And what are the steps you'll, you'll need to get that onto the market? Um, they'll help build that pitch and you know, train the academics to some extent around, around that kind of pitching sort of aspect and thinking about where would funding come from. It also has a, a seed fund function as well to kind of support academics at the earlier stage. But obviously that can only go so far. Um, we, we look at spinning, I don't know, you know, a couple of companies a year out. So not, not exactly huge amount of deal flow. So programs like our accelerator things that we've got um, both the other ones that we run already and this new one as well are really aimed at doing that but a lot more being a lot quicker and faster about it um let's look at some interesting projects um both from the scientific perspective but also can any of these become um kind of commercial concepts very much around uh, you know getting getting that expertise and mentorship on board with those academics with our ideas seeing whether anything is 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 likely to be a good company and then obviously helping it along the journey towards that um, and offering, a kind of, I suppose, a safe environment, if you will, for, for academics to do that in. So, you know, the, the scheme already includes um, things around paying stipends for PhD and postdocs so they can be bought out of their um, research program um, and invest time, I suppose, in, in working with our mentors and expertise around um, developing that concept, um, which I suppose is quite a nice place to be um, from, from a kind of thinking about early stages of commercialization rather than having to um, do everything up front. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think that's one of the key things we we're doing with this accelerator. A lot of the seed fund work is a little bit later in this process when you have a proof of concept and there's a quite a well thought through business plan here with this accelerator, we're going really early stage and, and taking a bit more risks and risks both from a sort of technical point of view, like is the science good enough? Does the, does the actual technology have an impact, but also from a, yeah, like Matt said, a career point of view, people may perceive this as a risk that what we're trying to do here is actually one, educate them on that and two, put in place those stipends and those protective measures. That means you can take a take a risk for three months and if it doesn't work out, you can step back in and, and pick up where you left off and you've not kind of thrown away your academic career by, by leaving that behind and you, you have that safety net, which is, which is something we think is really valuable for those academics. And you've mentioned a few things on risk mitigation and kind of you have already had experience in some of the more mature uh, companies that have come out of um, some of the research which you have funded. Could you give us a few examples perhaps of collaborations or things that you have facilitated in the past for those companies that are able to reach that stage? 
Hmm. Yeah, so I guess on a kind of the data-led way, so so this is yeah, the, the Cancer Tech Accelerator focus on non-therapeutics, but there's a, there we have, as Matt said, much more track record in the therapeutic space. But one of the key examples of that is one of the is Achilles Therapeutics, which is based on the, the TracerX data set. So this is a longitudinal data set where samples were taken from multiple locations within a patient's tumor profile to understand the kind of evolution of that cancer as it progressed through the, through that treatment cycle. And as that has kind of formed the basis to a, of a company which was basically targeting neoantigens and, and cellular therapies targeted at that. So what CRUK did is we funded that basic research, the collection of the data, the annotation and development of that sort of bioinformatic pipelines and analysis. And then we worked with a, a VC to kind of spin out into a company, put investment behind it to develop those products. And now again, that's that's kind of a therapeutic focus. And what we want to do is in the cancer tech accelerator, a very a much smaller scale is do that for, for non-therapeutics with a sort of data or or med tech focus. And I suppose then uh, why startups as opposed to perhaps putting a little bit more funding or collaborating with larger pharma or diagnostic institutions? So I think it comes down to the I suppose the challenges of well, many, many different challenges, right? Particularly around the technology. I think particularly because of the stage of technology we're operating at um, a lot of stuff is really really early um, and although we do see sometimes the same issue in therapeutic space I think this is more an issue here yes we could think about licensing it to you know licensing a technology to a, a diagnostics company or something but it, it we often find it's just a little bit too early it needs a little bit more validation and a little bit more um, uh, input into, into the actual technology before it's ready to that. But also, of course, it could be a platform technology and licensing therefore is probably not the best route. Uh, we'd have much more chance for impact um, as, as the spin out. It's, um, although obviously for several reasons, it can be harder than licensing, but it can be quite a nice way to get that um, initial investment into a, into a platform technology and think about the multiple different applications that um, it, it can go. Um, I think it's probably crucial to point out that although obviously we would like to see loads of companies result at the end of this accelerator, we're not necessarily wedding or requiring applicants to definitely form a spin out at the end. Um, it's a nice route to um, get that expertise and mentorship and input into your projects without necessarily having to commit upfront to forming a company. So we can think about licensing or other routes of commercialization at the end, um, but uh, it's, a, it's a nice way to do that. Sure. Yeah, no, I think the the spin out route was also kind of like brings in a different expertise where you have the v, the venture capital route, which maybe for some of the more kind of AI companies is a little bit there's there's a different type of expertise that they have, which maybe some of the more traditional licensing partners and pharma and, and diagnostics maybe are beginning to develop, but don't have that kind of built in expertise, which we can leverage by going down a, a startup route. So it, it's just a, it's just another route that we can progress stuff with a different set of expertise and a and potentially slightly more flexibility around how you can use that funding. And I suppose specifically around the UK uh, as an ecosystem and um, what the academic sphere has to offer there, what do you think gives the UK a particularly strong or, um, well, yeah, I guess strong proposition um, in funding both academics and the research that we have here, as opposed to maybe collaborating more with uh, institutions in the United States and things like that? I think the, the UK has, from a research point of view, it, it has an unbelievably strong oncology network. And that's, I think, in, in no small part due to CIUK's kind of significant investment and funding into that. But kind of uh, alongside that has the NHS, which is a, obviously an everyone knows a sort of incredibly useful resource, which enables 
kind of very good access to patients, very good access to sort of testing of technologies and things like that, which should probably, they are available on a kind of smaller scale in the US, like around cancer centers, and they're obviously kind of powerhouses of innovation. But here we have it on a on a broader network, so you can potentially do it on a on a bigger scale than you would have to do in the, in the US. I think also in the UK, um, there's an, obviously an increasing amount of the kind of accelerators, understanding of the spin out sort of culture, being entrepreneurially minded is, is now quite a big thing, um, mm -hmm. particularly obviously in the hotspots of you know, Cambridge, Oxford and, and London, but increasingly the North, Leeds, Manchester, mm -hmm. Liverpool, around these, these sort of spaces. Um, I think we're very keen to tap into that um, kind of uh, ethos and, and whatever else to try and try and get more stuff in. But yeah, I think that in the UK is really, really strong. The availability of um, you know, Innovate UK funding and that sort of thing for those sort of early companies. And I suppose increasingly what's, what's particularly encouraging in things like the diagnostic and med tech sort of space is, is awareness of government around um, helping to get these sort of new technologies into the NHS, thinking about the adoption issues and the kind of med tech, med tech mandate and the accelerated access collaborative and all those sort of things. So really trying to say, let's let's get some of this new innovation into the, into the system and into the NHS and get tested, which I think is really, really encouraging. Um, as Joe says, will hopefully, hopefully help quite a lot. In the United States, it's very common for universities to exploit their research and to spin out companies. What do you think some of the challenges are specifically in the UK around that? And maybe more generally, what the challenges that individuals looking to spin out research face? I think the, um, the, the biggest challenge is that, um, you know, for academics, the, the impact is really measured by publications. Um, still, no matter how, how people try and change that, I think that is unfortunately the, the route that most people are measured by. So I think that there needs to be some sort of um, sea change in how that sort of thing is, is, is perceived. It's very much around you know, societal impact could be um, greater from allowing that translation, commercialization, spin outs, et cetera, to, to go forwards. Um, that's one thing. I think one of the, the other big sort of aspect is around the, the skills gap and the um, lack of awareness of or perhaps lack of understanding of the kind of how that sort of world works um and obviously it's on on initiatives like our accelerator and other ones in the space to really be saying to academics look this it's not as scary as it as it might seem yes it could be a little bit risky but with you know appropriate support help and a bit of funding to kickstart you on that journey um it, it could be okay so hopefully our accelerator and others are starting to change that sort of message um there's, there's a few things to start with yeah and I, I think it's that it's that educational piece people people maybe even aren't even aware that this is a route that can be taken to kind of progress your technology and they just think they sort of go through publish it and it'll get picked up whereas actually they're sort of more proactive involvement of academics is a really valuable element in the development of the technology so they just don't know that exists and and yeah like Matt said they don't necessarily have the skills or the the knowledge to kind of translate that into a company or, or facilitate this sort of interaction with industry and hopefully what we're doing through this initiative and, and other initiatives within our sort of entrepreneurial portfolio is providing that sort of high level education so kind of raising the tide in the academic community to understand exactly what the options are and how you could go about doing translating your research through these commercial routes but then also for specific researchers they get that more in-depth knowledge and, and through initiatives like this they get to get their hands on get dirty and, and actually like test out this idea and understand what's going on so hopefully at the end of this we'll have like a cohort of researchers who particularly these younger researchers who are new to the sort of academic field who actually are much more translationally and entrepreneurial focused so every time we're kind of replicating that us 
mindset. So when they find a discovery, they automatically think we should get in contact with the commercial partnership team at Cancer Research UK and, and find out how we can take this forward and, and get it to the next stage. Brilliant. Thank you. So I suppose then overall, um, to end things on quite a positive note, what is the, um, the thing that you are most looking forward to in the future of, uh, I guess, cancer treatment and diagnostic space? Or perhaps what are you kind of, what's something that you've seen perhaps that you're really looking forward to seeing it develop uh, or something that you are very optimistic about um, given the space that you do work in? It's a big, big question. I, I can go for, I, from a, I guess from a data point of view, I think it is it's really, exciting to, with this sort of advancement of AI technologies and the additional data that can now be generated at very low costs. Hopefully a lot of the sort of diagnosis and treatment decisions will be become much more informed by data. So rather than just looking at immunohistochemistry slide, you'll actually be integrating data from genomics, from transcriptomics and the sort of more traditional methods to make a very much more informed decision. And then as you go through that sort of treatment process, there'll be more on patient reported outcomes, information from wearables to make that treatment and, and diagnosis more adaptable as it goes through. So hopefully that will become slightly more data driven. And that's already beginning to happen with the sort of rollout of genomics through the, the GLHs in, in the CI, in the, in the, research, uh, the NHS network, which will hopefully mean that those kind of cancer diagnosis and cancer treatment decisions are made based on genomics. But hopefully in the future that we're a long way away from this, but it'll become kind of more integrated and there'll be lots of processes that will happen there, which are kind of informed by data on a, on a very in-depth level. But that's very much data side of things. I don't know, Matt, if you have other stuff from the more med tech yeah, side. I suppose sticking sticking with the theme of tech and obviously things we'd, we'd hope to see in the Cancer Tech Accelerator, big one for, for me and I suppose COUK more generally is early detection and the you know, potential for new technologies there. Um, obviously, don't need to state, but obviously detecting cancer earlier is is, is better for, for, for everyone. Um, and a number of exciting technologies on the horizon in this space, clearly, but we, we, we believe it's, you know, probably the best way of, of shaking up the space, both in terms of diagnostic, diagnosing cancer earlier, but also in terms of pharma business models and how they approach treatment and all that sort of stuff. If you think we're going to be able to detect cancer earlier, how do we go about treating them? What does that mean for you know, the kind of late stage treatments that are currently on the market or in development? How does that impact standards of care and all that kind of stuff? So um, potential for lots of game changing stuff there, definitely. And hopefully we'll see some of that sort of stuff on, on the accelerator. Fabulous. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us today. Uh, we're excited to get the program started. The deadline for applications is May 31st. We are where it's a bank holiday. Hopefully that gives you a little extra time. Um, but thank you again, Matt, Joe, Nirmesh. Uh, that will be all for us now. Have a nice day. Thanks very much. Mm -hmm.